this evening. And let's praise the Lord. Anoint me, Lord. One, two, three. Anoint me, O Lord, with your mighty power. Anoint me, O Lord, with your power. To tell of your love and sing of your grace. To march forth in strength, Lord, this hour. Anoint me, O Lord. 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 Anoint me, O Lord, with your mighty power. Anoint me, O Lord, with your power. To tell of your love and sing of your grace. To march forth in strength, Lord, this hour. Amen. Does anybody desire that anointing tonight to come on us, touch us, strengthen us, bless us? So thankful we could do nothing without his anointing. Amen. We want him to breathe on us tonight. We're so excited for tonight's service. We're anticipating what God will do. I was thinking this today as we welcome you into God's house today. 52 years ago, somebody decided to volunteer and serve at a church in Grand Junction, Colorado, they decided to volunteer and serve by driving a bus to pick up kids to come to church. One of those little girls that lived in that part of town that they were picking up was my aunt. And they picked her up and she came to church and gave her heart to the Lord and went home and told my mother, her sister, about what had happened to her. And that next Sunday, my mom was ready, had her dress ready and her Bible that she had. She got on that bus and went to that church and gave her heart to the Lord. And let me tell you, 52 years later, 52 years later, the impact of that servant is felt today in my life. Amen. So I don't know where we're, 
where we're working. I don't know where our hands are, are applied in this church, but I just want to tell you there is ministries and pastors and people of God that God wants to use you to raise up by just saying yes to the Lord and something could start tonight that 50 years from now could change the world. Amen. Amen. We can make a decision tonight to do something for God and we just don't know the impact we could we could have by that. We're so thankful that you're here tonight. We're, we're anticipating God's move. Would you get out of your seat tonight? And welcome one another into God's house. There is a river, the streams whereof make glad the city of our God. There is a river. Make that city of our God.
Shipping. I could just do that for another 15, 20 minutes and get to everybody. Turn around to somebody, look at them, and just tell them how awesome they are to you, how much that you love them. Amen. Now, turn around and find somebody else you didn't talk to, not your best friend. Go find somebody you don't know and talk to them real quick. Just say, hey, how you doing? It's good to see you. You're looking great. Amen. Thank you, Doug. Wasn't the Lord good this morning? Many people were saved this morning, had people make decisions for the Lord. That's what we celebrate. We always celebrate. It's always, it's always correct for us to stop and remember and be thankful for what God has done. How many of you would say the Lord touched you this morning in a special way. Amen. Praise God. We testify. It's good to see. Good to see Brian back on the soundboard. He was in the hospital this morning, and here he is in church. Now that's commitment. Now that's commitment. I know folks that would say, hey, I was in the hospital. I get, a, I get ice cream, I get fed bologna, and I get to sit all day long with the remote control in my hand, but no. Good to see you, buddy. We're, we're believing that God touched you. He's going to continue to touch you as you train, as you get ready for this big marathon coming up. When is the date on that? October 1st. He is getting ready to run in a 26, what is it? 12, 12 hours? I'd rather run 26 miles. <laughs> 12 hour marathon. He's going to be running. So we're going to, how am I going to say a prayer for Brian? Because he's training and doing that as a fundraiser for our young people and our, our Oasis Youth Ministry for the new building. So we're looking. I'm glad all of you clapped. We'll take that as your donation for pledges to the, to the fundraiser. God bless you so much. Uh, you can be seated. We are going to go before the Lord in prayer as we get ready. Our ushers will be coming in just a moment. But we want to pray, continue to pray for Brother Daly Carpenter. We want to continue to remember Brother Hale, Brother Glenn Hale. We want to pray for him tonight. And also, we want to pray for Virgil. We didn't pray for Virgil and Bergie this morning collectively, although I trust many of you are praying for him every day. We need to pray for these needs. Also, let's remember Pat and Tom Spade, uh, their family, and the loss of Jonathan Mullins, who was part of our church, a young man engaged to be married who was tragically killed uh, last week. 
So we want to remember him. We'll be doing his funeral this Wednesday. Please remember the family there just tore apart. The circumstances surrounding his death um, were just horrifying for the family. So I want us to really lift them up. How many of you have a need? You'll make it known tonight. All right, let's pray together. Father, as we come to you, we thank you. We honor you and we bless your name. I pray that you will touch and minister. We call on the power of the Lord to minister in every situation. Lord, whatever anyone is dealing with, every circumstance, every detail, Lord, we just leave it before you. We know that you care about us. And Lord, you have instructed us to cast all our care on you. I pray that you will minister, Lord, to those who gave their heart to Christ this morning in the service. Several of those situations and those testimonies were, were just heartbreaking. And God, you are doing a mighty work in their life. We pray for them to know strength and grace. And Lord, for every hand that was lifted up tonight, we just pray in the name of Jesus, you'll minister to each one of them. We honor you tonight and know that you're able. Pray that you would touch Virgil, minister strength and healing to him. Touch Brother Hale, Lord. Touch him from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. Let him feel the presence and power of his, his Father God who is able to heal him and touch him. And Lord, we pray for Brother Daly Carpenter and lift him up who's in Christ Hospital tonight. Would you touch him, minister to him, let the doctors understand and know what's going on. Reveal to them the situation that they seem to be so confused about concerning him. I pray in Jesus' name. And Lord, we collectively pray for the Spade family. For the Mullins family, we lift all of them up to you and ask that your work will be accomplished and done in their lives to bring peace, especially through the difficult days that are ahead for them. I pray in Jesus' name for the peace that surpasses all understanding, the comfort that only comes from the Holy Spirit. And Lord, as we now prepare in our hearts to give, I pray that you will touch and minister to every family and to every heart and to all those who are ready tonight to give into the ministries of kingdom work here in Middletown. Lord, as we have freely received, we so freely give. We don't give grudgingly. We give, Lord, out of a cheerful heart because you bless us over and over and you give to us. We honor you tonight and we thank you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.
give him praise.
How many of you would say you have found him to be there for you? On time, always right there. I have found in my life, I'm not just saying this because I'm a preacher. Long before I ever took on the, the, the calling and accepted the calling to ministry in my life, I remember the Lord proving himself to me. I, I, was, I was at Lee and, and I was in my freshman year not knowing exactly what was going to happen and what direction I was going to go. And, and I remember I was about ready to lose my car. And I, I was trying to, to scramble the quarters. I was cleaning my car out, finding quarters under the seat. I was doing everything I could to rustle up $135 to pay my car payment. And I couldn't find it. I couldn't get it. And I was just sick. And I thought, well, the worst thing I can do is, is not call them. Because if I call them, at least they'll know I'm trying. And I called and talked to this lady. And I was a nervous wreck. And I was like, ma'am, I, I am a freshman at college. I'm at Bible school. And I am, I'm trying to rustle up the money. If you could give me maybe another six weeks, I could rustle up the money. <laughs> Need a little bit more time. And I started talking, and she said, well, where do you go to school? And I said, well, she goes, we really need the money. I said, I'm, she said, I'm sorry, we really can't, you know, we've already, you're already a month behind, and you need to get caught up. And I was like, I know, I know, I, I'm going to work on this, I'm going to do this. And I prayed before I got in there, I said, Lord, I hear a lot about favor. I, I've never asked you for favor, but I've heard a lot about favor. And I said, God, I need favor with this person, whoever they are. And I remember I got on there and I was just talking to them. Here I am in Tennessee. She is in like Minnesota or something. And I'm talking to her, Amelia. And she says, well, what school are you going to? And I said, Lee College. And she said, Lee? She goes, are you Church of God? And I said, yes. I said, are you? And she said, yeah, I go to like, I forget what she said now. I go to the Church of God here in Minnesota. She goes, I have a, a daughter that's going to go to Lee next year. And I was like, wow, that's awesome. She goes, you know what, hang on just a minute. She went off. She came back and she said, if I give you a three-month extension, will you get that money in? I said, ma'am, I promise you I'll, do, I'll sell my teeth. I'll do anything I can to get that money. And she said, you got, you got a three-month extension. I hung up that phone and immediately I felt the presence of God. And he says, yeah, it's all in who you know. And I thought, yeah, that lady was church of God. And God said, no, it's because you know me. I'll go before you. I'll be behind you. I'll always surround you. He took care of me. And I can't count how many times in my life God has been there for me over and over and over again in ways that were unbelievable. I remember another time, you don't need to hear all this, but I just feel like I need to tell you that. Sit down. I came up, I was in campus choir at Lee, and I needed $100 by Sunday. We were getting ready to leave for tour, and I had to pay for a suit. And I did not have $100. I didn't have $5. And I came home for the weekend, I hitched a ride with somebody, asked my parents, and they were a little strapped, and they said, honey, we, we just can't, we can't do $100 for a suit. Now, if you needed it to, to eat, we would do our best to do what we could. And I said, I understand, no problem. And I was getting ready to go back to Lee. And I was going to go back and tell Dr. Horton, I'm, I didn't get the money. I'll just skip the tour. Y'all go and have, have ministry fun without me. And I wanted to go so bad on that tour. And I get to Harlem Park that Sunday morning. I'm in the service. Brother Sergeant, I believe, was preaching. And, and 
I was getting ready to leave and I was walking out to the parking lot and I was almost to my car and it was Larry Day. Larry Day walked over to me and he said, hey, come over here. I said, yeah, yeah, hey, how you doing? He said, you're down at Lee. I said, yeah. He goes, wow. I said, you, you going back? I said, yeah, I'm getting ready to go back right now. My luggage is in my car. I'm leaving from church. And he said, well, I don't know why I'm doing this. He said, but while I was in church today, the Lord told me to give you a $100 bill. And he said, and so here it is. And he said, and I said, <laughs> and he said, now you just take it and do what I don't know what you need, but you just take care of it. And you just, isn't God amazing? I mean, oh, I'm telling you over and over and over again, he's done that stuff to me. Over and over again in my life, he has always proven himself to me. I've told people before. I've looked at a, at a young man who was an atheist in the back of a semi-truck trailer I was working with when I was in college. And I looked at him and I said, Robert, I said, I am so sorry that you have not experienced what I have known and experienced of God. I said, I'm not wanting to preach at you, brother. I'm not wanting to, to, to make you feel bad. I said, I'm just sorry you don't know him like I do. I said, because if you did, you wouldn't doubt for one second that he's there. I said, I don't doubt at all. I said, you can't confuse me. You can't put chaos in my head. You can't make me doubt. You can't make me depressed or discouraged. I said, I know that I know that I know that Jesus is alive. I'm so thankful for him tonight, aren't you? Would you just lift your hands right where you are and just be thankful that you know him, that you know him. He's the fairest of 10,000 to my soul. When I was sinking deep in despair, you know the rest. What does it say? Love lifted me. Amen. Well, I'm not here to do all that. I am here to look into the camera. Is this one on right here, that red light? I would like to talk all the way to Brisbane, Australia. I want to say hi to Kayla and Jackie, who are watching live right now from Australia. But also, I want to say hello to Reese. I didn't get you this morning, buddy, but I got you tonight. He's watching all the way in Australia. Would you just with me turn around there and wave at the camera and just say hi to Reese in Australia? Hey, Reese, we look forward to you coming to Middletown, Ohio in America. And we get to meet you in person. God bless you all. I know you're going to enjoy uh, our speaker this evening. I've been excited. I told him this morning, I said, I get to go to church tonight. Uh, Frederick Kessner is pastor of the New Heart Church of God in Brisbane, Australia. He and his family are there. They've been church planting for the, na the national church and working hard in church with some wonderful people, people that I've met, some of them, and, and have loved them through the years. And, and I'm so excited about him being able to be with us to go to the General Assembly and then to be here tonight. He's going to be flying out tomorrow, and he'll be uh, heading home across the pond over to where he lives. But tonight, we are honored and privileged to have him as our guest speaker. Would you make welcome Pastor Frederick Kessner? I'll be honest with you all tonight. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get through this. The Lord has something to say. And 
Sometimes you feel you're not up to the task. But I'm sure you're going to help me out, won't you? <laughs> Amen? Amen. I know you're going to help me out. Because when God speaks a word, there are parts to it. The one God called to share at that moment and those called to receive it. And there are those who receive it to give it to others, to pass it on. And there are those who receive it for themselves. And this message is um, close to my heart because it's something that happens as well to myself and to other people I know. And we're going to talk about the struggles of life. And if um, I probably would best start with a word from God and then go from there. Hallelujah. In 1 Chronicles 28.10. 1 Chronicles 28.10. It says there, consider carefully now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house. He has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary. Be strong and do it. Now I'm talking about the building that's being built over there. I, I call it an annex, but it's not an annex. It's an extension. It's a growing of what's here. Amen. And with that growth, certain things come. You know, pastor was talking about bus driving. No, no, that was, it wasn't you. It was Cam. Sorry. Pastor Cam. Yeah. Uh, my father-in-law who had passed away this February was also the church bus driver in Australia. He also was the videographer. So he was kind of Lenny and somebody else put together. <laughs> you know. And he brought people to church. And the person who brought him to church was also um, driving the church bus and brought them to church. That's how my wife came to church. They brought her to Sunday school when she was 10 years old. And then she received Jesus and was baptized and all that. So I owe it to them. People we don't know. People we don't see. You know? And I'm thankful for people like that. You don't have to be big, you just have to be willing and open and with a heart to serve God. You know, I'd like to say tonight that we are allowed to struggle. Struggle is the unseen killer in the church. Unseen because people struggle, but because you're a Christian, you feel the compunction to look strong. And sometimes you come in smiling and happy, but you don't know what that person's struggles are. And you hear it from somewhere else or you don't hear it at all. Sometimes you have the towel and you wipe the sweat off, but sometimes you throw it away and say, I'm done. Some people have thrown the towel. I've done it many times as a young man and God told me to pick it up. Pick it up again. It's not the end when you throw the towel. It's not the end. You could always pick it up. Life's up and downs are an integral part of our journey, of our growth in God. And don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Brother, there are wounded healers around here. I see them in this very room. I saw them this morning. I'll see them coming in next month, next year. People who have scars, people who have broken bones, that have set, that God had reset. Jesus himself, and we will get to that in a bit, was a suffering healer. 
And if you are too ashamed of yourself, when you find yourself struggling with something, whatever that struggle may be, and you've thrown in the towel, all you need is to say, God, help. Because you can't fix it. No one else can fix it. We can't. There are varied shapes and sizes of brokenness, but these are part and parcel of a greater victory in Christ. Being broken is not the end, but it is the bridge to God's heart. When a man or a woman comes to the end of their rope, it is the beginning of God. Because we are born and raised to be independent. I remember when Kayla was potty training. I remember when she had the little dummy. And I was wondering, God, when should she take that out? You know? We go through certain stages in life. And we, we, we teach them to walk. We teach them to write. We teach them through school to grow up, to be independent, you know, to balance their checks, to buy their first car, their first house, to get married and have kids. All about independence, about knowing how to live in life. And then we forget that beyond, behind all of this is God who cares for us. Sometimes it's easy to forget. Let us not allow ourselves to soak and stew in misery and despondence. Because some people will make you feel despondent. Some people will make you feel deficient. Some people will make you feel defective. Some people and situations make you depressed, make you feel like you're damaged goods, that you're not good enough for anything. And yet, there is a broken witness, a witness of God making you whole again. And somebody in that same situation will come and say, God had saved them. And then you become a light unto these people. David said, why so downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. Often we see the victory, the triumph, the trophies, but we don't know the struggle. In the long flight to America, I watched a movie called Eddie the Eagle. And, you know, I'm like Nicole. I'm a bit leaky in the eyes, you know. <laughs> Before I was born again, uh, nothing would face me. But, you know, after that, I was watching this young man. He was a little boy, and he had the dream to go to the Olympics. But he had a problem with his knees. And it wasn't fixed until he was 15 years of age. And he tried joining the skiing team. And his parents wouldn't support him. You know, the parliament in the UK didn't support him, but he kept on and on and on. So I cut a long story short, he became, you know, uh, the return star of uh, ski jumping for the UK. After so many years, they didn't have a ski jump team, but he persevered. You know, he threw the towel, he picked it up again and all that. He was made to feel that he was worthless, that he was defective because of his uh, incapacitation. You know, that he wasn't enough, that he will never be talented enough and all that. And why am I saying this? Because God looks to the heart. And if you've been brought down before, stop listening to the devil. Because God formed you 
And he has a plan for you, for good and not for evil. The words you hear, you hear that you will never amount to anything is a lie from the devil. Let no one mark you as such of being unworthy and unclean. Remember when Peter was being castigated, he said, do not call unclean what I have cleaned. And yet we allow people to speak ill of us. We allow situations to tear us down. When in fact, our brokenness is like a key that opens the floodgates of heaven. When was the last time that we have been broken? You know? When we're broken and we're down on the ground and we couldn't get up, we're looking for a breakthrough. A breakthrough in the Lord. When all you've got left is Jesus and no, nothing else. No money, no house, no relationships, nothing else. And everything looks dim and grim around you. And Jesus is there knocking at the door to change all of that. When we have hit rock bottom, and then you have turned to Jesus after you've hit rock bottom and pleaded with him to be cleansed, to be forgiven, and to be freed. And when you are freed, you are free indeed. Amen. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a what? A wretch. When I, feel, when I hear the word wretch, I feel like being hunched up, you know. Wretched and small. It's also, it also sounds like the word retching when you're vomiting and you're, you know, you're throwing up because the world is so bad. You're, you're having withdrawals and all that. And you're broken. He saved a wretch like me. A classic song, but we forget that there is a struggle there and that we are allowed to struggle. And sometimes it's part of the big story that without the struggle, we cannot have the victory. And we can admit that we have been saved by grace. People move from mercy to mercy to mercy. Mercy is something that God gives to us that, you know, when we deserve a punishment, he gives us mercy. But then we have to move from mercy to grace, which is the anointing to live life in an operational way. So we move from mercy to grace. And from grace, we move to victory. And we conquer from victory to victory. Amen. Amen. Jesus, lover of my soul, you pick me up from the miry clay. If I looked, if we looked at Jesus' feet and the hem of his garment, there would be mud and dust there. A person who's lived life will have had mud flung at them to go through a muddy, muddled world. So these are not just songs of expressions of truth, but we celebrate Jesus by proclaiming our recovery from that brokenness. We don't stay there down, but he picks us up. From a dark despondence, Jesus didn't pick, up, pick us up just to leave us there. And where you're at is where Jesus meets you. And he says to us, there is so much more ahead, so much more. Do not listen to the devil, for he is a liar. For his desire is to keep you, to keep you in the mud pit, 
and to throw a pity party. He sponsors this big party where, where we live our lives in pity for ourselves for the rest of our lives. A pity party that's meant to last an eternity, to have us as dogs chasing after our tails, round and round and round. And yet we look up and say, God, lift me up. Lift me up because I don't want to be buried in these miserable circumstances. In our brokenness, we realize that Jesus Christ can set us free if we let him. This morning it was spoken about that all the sins of the world were on the cross with Christ. Yes, it is. But if we hold on to those sins, we hold on to the consequence of those sins. So we let it go to Jesus and take it and peg it to that cross. From brokenness to glory, from miracles to conquering. What do I see the church as? I look at Stratford Heights and I see a beautiful, blossoming expression of the kingdom of God. I see a family. I see the body of Christ. I see the body of Christ. I see the kingdom of God. And I ask myself, how is God's household today? And he says, many are hurting. And it's an unseen killer. You may be hurting physically. You may be hurting financially. You may be hurting emotionally. You may be hurting spiritually. But it's all going under the radar. But this brokenness, he says, is useful. And when it sprouts up, we know that God is facing us, confronting us with who we are because we are breakable and we can still be broken no matter how mature we are in Christ. And we can find out what is breakable in me for each one is a different thing. And I pray that we could let go of it and let God. Because if we don't, it will take control of us. I remember growing up You know, I look at Moses, 40 years in the palace, 40 years in the desert, in the wilderness, and then 40 years when finally God used him. Where's the brokenness in there? The first 80 years was full of brokenness. And a lot of people see the last glory days, 40 years of his life. Growing up can be tough. Growing up in church can be equally tough, if not more. There are expectations we take upon ourselves and we want to measure ourselves up to be this holy kind of Christian that people say is holy, but it's not holy in God's eyes. At 15, I was young, as people are at 15. <laughs> I came to a point in my life where I had to work being you know, uh, the eldest of five children in a single parent home. I was not expected to graduate from high school. I didn't have many friends, I was suicidal. And somehow God had carried me through in that brokenness. I did graduate from high school. I tried to enter the university, didn't get the first course of my choice, but I got in. And it took me 14 years 
before I re received my bachelor's degree. I call that a struggle. 14 years. Three and a half years, I, I studied hard and had difficulty at university. And then, as the saying goes, all hell broke loose. I left home. I went into the mountains, into the islands. And then I found God looking at me through a missionary um, outfit that was helping uh, tribal groups and all that. And then God was beginning to restore me. And I went to the university back again for another three and a half, uh, for another five and a half years and all that. By 29, I had my bachelor's degree and I got married. And I was working on my master's degree. But I found out when we got married, you know, Jacqueline wasn't able to have children, so that was a difficult time for us. It took nine and some years of praying, of waiting, of seeking, of going through IVF, seeking how we could do this and do that. And there was a struggle there too. So if, it weren't, if that were not enough, you know, it was a time that was, I said, you know, I could just throw in the towel again. But at 39, I became a father after barrenness and blockages and brokenness. Very negative words, very negative feelings, very negative situations in life. And yet we muddle through. We, we go on our knees and find out where God is and what he can do for us and find out what his heart is for us because his plan was always better than my plan for myself. I had planned to be a medical physician. Didn't happen. But in ministry, you are a physician of souls. It's kind of the same thing, but I was looking somewhere else and God was pulling my face to him and said, look at me. I got it all sorted out. You know, have you been broken yet? Have you been crucified yet? And I said, uh, I think I've done that a few times over, but yes, I'm listening. You got my attention. What are we struggling with today? It's different for each person. What are you not ready for? What are you afraid of? What don't you want others to see? You know, I'm not here to embarrass anybody. But if there's something in your heart that's been bugging you, it's bugging you for a reason. It's as quick as a thought prayer. You know, you just whisper to God and say, I'm giving this to you. It's not mine to have anyways. And you want to bless me. I won't hold on to this because I want God to release me from this. I've had it with this. This is too hard. Maybe it's something you've been expressing to the body of Christ and nobody hears you. You know, there's some people that they're like, what do you call, wallflowers and stuff. You know, I say, I tried to talk to pastor or to somebody else and it just like went through here and through there and they don't know what I'm saying. They don't see my heart. I feel unheard. I feel, feel ignored. I'm not entertained at all. Well, God's always listening to us. What has broken down in your life? What plans of yours have been broken? God can take care of that. 
He's got a master plan, a blueprint for our lives. And then we ask, why has God allowed this? But then God can look at, look at us and say, I have something better for you. I have something better for, for you. When I look at this church and the extension, I pray turnkey ministry. You know, I like that term turnkey. You just turn the key and on it goes. You don't have to buy new furniture. You don't have to do renovations or upgrades. You just turn the key and it's on. And with brokenness, we just got to turn that key. The key of our heart to go into the heart of God and say, God, turn this misery into victory. Because that's what he wants for us. To turn that key to let God in for he's knocking at the door. Bring to me, he says, you're weary, you're wounded, you're broken, and I will bind them and I will make them whole. Bring them to me. Isn't that what the church is for? You know, I'm tired of people saying that the church is, you know, there's always friendly fire. We're the ones shooting each other. I don't believe in that. I know that there are difficult times in the church, but I know that there are discerning people within the church. God is always on time like we sang here. And they're there. Sometimes without knowing why God put you there. And all you have to do is allow God to use you. Sit by someone. Talk to someone. You know. And be uh, of good cheer to somebody. And then it turns the key and it opens it up. If we're broken, it doesn't mean we're dead. You know, when you turn your engine off when you leave the car. The car isn't useless. It isn't worthless. It isn't dirty. It isn't, you know, something that you can no longer have. It's just shut down. All you need to do is turn on the ignition and it powers up again. And if we at church catch that concept that when we turn the key of faith, that the engine starts revving and the church starts moving, then people in Middletown won't just see a building but they will sense the Spirit of God moving and say, there's something about this place. God is doing something here. It's not about the building, but it's about the body of Christ, the building, the temple of Christ, the living stones that God is building. That building out there of mortar and bricks is a physical manifestation of the building that God is building in you. That's why I said, when I see the church, I see beauty. It's because God is building each and every brick. And each and every brick, each and every person is needed to build that spiritual kingdom of God to make it manifest to the world. And that is just a physical manifestation of what's happening inside of us. Else, that building will be empty. It will be misused. It will look like a big white elephant that nobody can use because... It's no longer reflecting what's happening in here. What's important to me is the heart of the people. And I believe that's God's heart for us. To allow him to continue to build us up as living stones which he uses to build his kingdom here on earth. And how privileged we are, how glorious it is, an honor for God to use us. You can use me, you have chosen me. And you have put me together with people with like spirit who love God and do a great thing for him. So from confession of faith, we move to profession of faith. 
you know? When they say, what is your profession? I am a physician. You don't just sit there with your diploma and do nothing. Isn't it? People come to the surgery and you profess by your actions. You better do some healing or you're not going to get paid. It's a tough job. Any job is like that. Now, I'd like to read a passage of scripture before we end. And I pray that this opens it up. To see about the wounded healer. And that the wounded healer resides within us. That your brokenness is important to God because he's positioning you. For like people who do not know Christ, for your experience and God touching you will touch their lives. Some people will not even hear me when I'm speaking because I'm not the type of person that they would listen to. Did you know that we have to earn, uh, earn uh, we have, people have to allow us to speak into their lives. And if they don't, it's good as nothing to them. I'll read from Isaiah 53. And it says there, Isaiah 53, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form nor comeliness when we see him. There is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised. He is rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him. Stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. Verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord was laid on him, has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. He was broken just as we were, as we are in many ways that we do not see. Verse 8, he was taken from prison and from judgment, and who will declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people, he was stricken. Verse 9, and they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. He got upgraded to the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, one of the rich guys. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he, sh he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Verse 11, he shall see the labor of his soul, 
and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant shall justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Where can we go when we are broken to Christ himself and no one else? Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the great, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death. This morning, the question was, if God required your life in his service, would we? It's a tough question. We were discussing it over lunch, and it was tough to answer. And it says there, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. The broken people in the church who have been restored by God can intercede better for those who are under the same oppression, under the same captivity, because you've been there and God brought you out. Because you've been there and you have come out not unscathed, but you've got medals, your scars, and, you know, the tears that you've had and all that. In closing, verse 54, it says, verse 1, Sing, O barren, you who have not been able to bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored with child. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of a married woman. I'll repeat that. More are the children of the desolate than the children of a married woman. We may cry, there may be mourning in the night, but in the day, uh, in the night, but in the day, the light of the Lord will come. Enlarge the place of your tent, which we have done with extension here, four million dollars worth of extension. <laughs> Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords. Do not spare. Extend. And strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations. Hallelujah. We've got lots of Latin America in here. You've got Australians in here. In the next year, I don't know how many else will be represented here. United Nations, Stratford Heights, Church of God. Many descendants. Many, many from different nations. And make the desolate cities inhabited. When you look out at the cities of the world today, with all the violence, with all the chaos, with all the brokenness, we see desolation, but in that desert, God will pour out and burst forth streams of living waters straight from the very heart of God. And it says here as an encouragement, do not fear, for you will no longer be ashamed. If anyone is broken in this house today and you have not shown it to anybody, God sees you. If you went down in flames, you wish everybody didn't see you, but they do. But you are loved. And the blood of God, of Jesus, will suffice 
He says there, you will not be ashamed, neither will you be disgraced, for you will not be put to shame. Is anybody hearing that word tonight? You will not be put to shame. The broken who turn themselves back to God will not be put to shame. His arms are open. He's knocking at the door. He's saying, come to me. Let me embrace you. And let the body of Christ, the church, with human hands embrace you in my stead. For you will forget the shame of your youth and you will not remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. For your creator, your maker, is your husband. The Lord of hosts is his name. And he is your redeemer. He is the Holy One of Israel. He's called the God of the whole earth. For the Lord has called you like a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit, like a youthful wife when you were refused, says your God. For a mere moment I have forsaken you, ergo the brokenness, but with great mercies I will gather you. I will collect your broken bits and make you whole again. And we speak and we breathe to those dead bones and speak life and speak love and speak peace and speak blessing. With a little wrath, I hid my face from you for a moment. But with everlasting kindness, I will have mercy on you. So you pick that towel up again and I say, I'm done with mercy. I'm going to grace. I've done with mercy. I'm going to anointing. I've done with mercy. I'm going to meet God face to face. And I will walk with him and him with me. And when I go, I go to be with him in paradise. Straight away. Express ticket. In the arms of a loving God. When you look to me, I shall be your redeemer. Let's all stand today. Hallelujah. Holy Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's read that verse one time again for, from First Chronicles. It says there, consider carefully now. Take stock of what's happening here. The Lord has chosen you to build a house. That's what we're doing. We're building a house. And with building a house comes costs. And if you've ever tried to put a nail through and hit yourself with a hammer, there's going to be some pain there. There's going to be some hurt there. There's going to be some slivers. You know, that's a painful thing to have as well. You have been chosen to build a house for the sanctuary. Sanctuary, in the original meaning of sanctuary, is a sacred place. We have extended God's sanctuary here. It's time to extend God's sanctuary in here. 
by the use of that meaning, sanctuary, it's also a haven. And by extension, that means any place of safety. And if you've made your heart a sanctuary with God, it is a place of safety. And those close to you can find sanctuary through you. And as the church, as the body of Christ, they can find sanctuary within the body of Christ. So let us put aside differences. Let us put aside other doctrines that have nothing to do with salvation, nothing to do with the Holy Spirit of God, and start bringing the people in. It's time to let go of our brokenness and not look to the arm of man, not look to ourselves and say, I have the power to switch this off and end my life. That is not the will of God for us, but He wants us to look to Him to lift us up. Sanctuary comes from the Latin word sanctuarium. Sancto meaning holy, special, chosen. An arium from a container like a terrarium or an aquarium. So God is looking for vessels, for containers of holiness, for God's holiness, because you are holy unto God. And collectively as a church, we become a sanctuary, a place of refuge, a holy place. Sanctuary is also a localized place of holiness. When God spoke to Moses, he said, come and take off your sandals and come because this is holy ground. It is a localized place. And where every believer is, is a sanctuary in that sense. And I believe that each one carries this light of Christ into their families, into the world, into themselves when we are broken and say, why so count downcast on my soul? And we can say, get thee behind me, evil one. I won't listen to your lies anymore. And as we bow our heads today, hallelujah. I know I have not an ounce in me, not an inch that could heal you, but God can. I don't know what brokenness fills the hearts of each person in here. I know from the example of Pastor Ray that every time in the morning that he gets up, he faces God and gets his brokenness dealt with before God. And to me that is very encouraging and very inspiring. Some people may want to have uh, left the church, <clears throat> planning to do so within this week or this year, to leave their families because it's not working out, to drop out of school because it's just too much, to give up on a job or a position or a promotion because God doesn't seem to be answering, but hey, when you are being broken down, God is making room for blessing in our lives. And anyone who's going to receive that today, receive it. Nunca, ahora o nunca, recibe ahora. If there's something in your life 
that needs to be let go of, let it go. And make an altar where you are at this moment. And allow God to touch you. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Would you do that with me tonight? Would you just take a few moments? Let's find a place somewhere to just do a little self-reflection. Maybe you make a, a, an altar there at your seat. Maybe you feel comfortable to come to the altar. You're welcome to make a move now to come and just spend some time in prayer. If you'd like special prayer, we'll be available. Our pastors and some of us down here will be ready to pray with you. God bless you as we all turn the sanctuary into just a place of prayer.
Trust 